welcome once again to the Global Gale podcast, my friends. My name is Philip O'Connor, coming to you from my little studio in downtown Stockholm, where I have made my home for the last 24 odd years. Uh, this is the podcast for the Irish around the world. We give our tape about 70 million of us, and every week I try to bring you the story of somebody Irish or somebody of Irish descent or of some great Irish person uh, like Tom Crean or Father Dennis Slattery or whoever it might be in some far-flung corner of the world because there is no such thing as an ordinary Irish person abroad. It is November as I'm recording this. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you're looking forward to Christmas and snow and cold weather and mulled wine. And if you're in Australia, you're looking forward to pretty much all of those things except the mulled wine and maybe a barbecue on the beach. I hope you're well. Um, I was recently in England there. If you go back a couple of podcasts, you'll remember that I was talking to Joe O'Neill and uh, the Irish Creative Collective in London there. And I suppose London and uh, America, where we talked to Keith Walker, an Irish musician recently, um, these are sort of, you know, two major, major centres for Irish people there. And it struck me, there's two things, right? One is that the variety of experiences of Irish people around the the globe is just amazing. Because those of us who live in Northern Europe, those of us who live in Australia, who live in, you know, the Middle East or America, like it's, it's a hugely different experience no matter where you are. There's always a load of similarities, like, you know, where do you get Tato and Decent Sauce? isn't that but there's also a big difference uh, in terms of the places that we live and the maturity of the communities so the communities that we have maybe in certain parts of america and certain parts of england are sort of much more mature they've been there for a much longer time maybe than the communities that we're seeing growing up now in abu dhabi and i suppose australia new zealand and canada are probably the best examples in later years but what those mature companies have boys and girls is that they have Uh, social organisations set up by Irish people to look after Irish people, right? Now, I'm always sort of split between the two in terms of, you know, we talk about integration, we talk about, you know, when we go to live in a different country and, you know, when in Rome do as the Romans do, etc, etc. And that's brilliant. I absolutely, I speak Swedish, learn the language, get involved, get involved in the culture, read the books, see the movies, support the football teams and that. But there's also a need for us to be among our own and to be able to express our Irish cultural identity and indeed to, to have people look after us and help us within that context. And I'm sure, like, you know, the Irish community in Sweden uh, is of its own size and its own capabilities and there will always be that thing where people gather around uh, to help one another out. But one of the organisations I discovered and it sort of popped up when I was in London and it's actually up in Yorkshire in Leeds, right? And it's Leeds Health and Housing uh, for Irish people. Right? And I thought that was fascinating that the two of those things were put together. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to get in touch with uh, with the people up there and see what it is they're up to. Because two things. One, I think they're doing great work, and I think that they deserve the credit for that. But the other is that there's bound to be things that Irish communities around the world can learn from them, right? So I got in touch with Antorn, and I said, look, will you come on the podcast? And he says, be Jesus, Phil, I will. I'll get on there, and I'll have a little chat with you, right? So here is a conversation I had with and explaining uh, the nature and the history of the Irish community in that part of England. Uh, if you like what you hear, share it. If you think there's something interesting in it, please, please, please share it on social media. As I mentioned, there are 70 million Irish people around the world. I'm in this for the long haul, right? It drives me mad every week trying to find the time to make podcasts, but I believe that there's value in what we're doing here. 
and I'd really appreciate it if you would share it on social media, if you'd share it in your Facebook groups and on LinkedIn and that kind of thing. So maybe even before you listen to it, just share it, I, because I can guarantee you it's a good one. Go on, listen for yourself, and I'll be back to you when this is over. Ant Horn, Leeds and Health and Housing for Irish People Show. What more would you want? Aunt Hanlon, the thing that I find most fascinating about your organisation is how homes and health are put together. Could you tell me a little bit about the background to what you're doing there in Leeds for the Irish community? Sure, Philip. Yeah, so so Leeds Irish Health and Homes started in 19... Well, originally it started in 1992, but it became an organisation in 1996. And the reason it came about was, at that particular time, there were uh, people social workers, probation officers, people working in and around mental health and homelessness, who were noticing that there were more kind of Irish people that they were coming into contact with in in their services. And, you know, I, I suppose at, at one on one level, they, they kind of weren't surprised by that because the Irish community had, uh, you know, could be found all over the place. But what they were noticing was that there were there was kind of a rise in the number of people that they were seeing, and so they they came together to kind of, to ask and find out what was happening. And um, during the course of those discussions, Philip, they looked to down to London uh, to see what was happening. And they, uh, you know, in London you had a plethora of. Irish organisations, Irish housing associations, you had the Irish Centre in Camden that was doing welfare work for um, people who, who you know, had maybe come over and hit some hard times. Mm. And during uh, sort of the late 80s and 90s in England saw the development of uh, what was termed culturally sensitive services for people in need, especially with like mental health and things like that. And um, uh, but there was no provision for Irish people. There was just no recognised recognition that Irish people had any cultural needs whatsoever, possibly because of them being a white community um, and and so close to to Britain. And uh, so anyway, what happened? This group got together. They were they were kind of saying, "Look, we'd really like to do something for the Irish community." And they recognise that, um, you know, in order for somebody to have stability and independence in their lives, it was important to have good housing. And so that was the that was the basis of Leeds Irish Health and Homes was that, you know, if we were able to find people good housing, good standard housing, and then put supporting that people could then go going back to living fulfilled and independent lives. And that's really what we've been doing for the last 27 years. We, we've, we've developed some offshoots of that, but that remains our, our founding uh, cornerstone. Um, what's the age profile of your service users, Ant? And I'm asking you that because we'd have this idea of the kind of Irish community that needs help in London being older, uh, being widows or widowers who find themselves on their own. You know, they find themselves in difficulty maybe with, with alcohol or with drugs or with gambling or that kind of thing. They suffer from loneliness. But I'm sure that's probably not the whole picture either, is it? Yeah, I mean, it, that 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 is a good 
that's a good sort of summarization of the mainstay of our uh, of, of the people who use our services Philip you know yes they you know the the Irish community when you look at the census and and there's like a almost like a tree for uh, the general population which is you have more younger people and then it gets up to the to the tree treetop where there's kind of the oldest uh, older uh, generation whereas the Irish is the inverse uh, so that you know there's more older people at the top and there's less people coming through as as people are emigrating to different uh, uh, different places and also you know the the subsequent generations people like myself second third generation don't tend to be represented in in the numbers that are are um uh are uh, you know available for the irish community so it does tend to be older um you know we've we've got people facing and especially now people facing issues with uh, dementia um so uh you know their frailty um loneliness and isolation is a key one um you know, mental health, uh, you know, again, I think as people are in, um, especially because of uh, all physical health, you know, when you mm. think of the work that people do, it's had its, it's taken its toll on people and that can often lead to depression, uh, mental health, alcohol, all of those sorts of things. However, we do a lot of work with uh, younger people in trying to bring younger and older people together. So we do a lot of intergenerational work with schools, with um, local GAA teams, with dance schools, um, getting getting older Irish people and younger people. Then they may not be Irish or of Irish descent, but it's just a chance to, to get people together and learn about uh, people's histories. And what we also find is that that has a real beneficial effect for all of all of the people uh just for instance last wednesday we had a we had a tea dance and we had a local school who came in to to do some sea, uh, songs um for halloween uh, for samain and um uh and it was really lovely a lot of the feedback from the children uh was about um uh, i never knew that older people were interesting uh which i thought was a really lovely a lovely thing, um, and, and again, you know, a lot of older people their uh, uh, their faces lit up when they saw young people around and interacted mm. with young people. So, yeah, it's a kind of mixed bag. Mm. It's a lovely thing to be able to do. You mentioned your own background there, Aunt. Are you sort of second generation, third generation? Where would your yes. parents have been from? Yeah, so my, my mum and dad came from Wexford. Uh, they they um, uh, they went. They actually went to the same primary school. Uh, and then sort of veered off in, in different directions and came back, I think it was 1957 when they met. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, so they, they and my mum and dad were both involved in the, in nursing. My uh, my dad uh, sort of went up the managerial uh, scale and uh, what was termed mentally and physically handicapped hospitals, so would be learning disabilities now. And my mum was a midwife, uh, and she was a community midwife. Um, so, sort of caring that caring background was was instilled in me for a you know from a very early age. Mm. Would they have met now in England, or did they meet? You know, I, I wouldn't imagine they got married in primary school now, but uh, no. <laughs> shortly thereafter. <laughs> yeah, and I, well, well, funny enough, there's a tale. So, um, you know, you know the film Brooklyn. 
And when Saoirse Ronan comes back and she meets up with um, Donald Gleeson and uh, it's the, the, the last dance that they have before Saoirse goes back, well, that's the Athenaeum Theatre in, in Enniscorthy. And uh, and in in that, 1957, my mum and dad were at a dance in that uh, very same theatre uh, and hooked up uh, there. So that's quite a nice... That was a nice symmetry to that film for us, though. Amazing. What was it like for you then growing up? And Because like, the Irish communities everywhere are sort of similar because, you know, we all love the GAA and go for a few drinks at a St. Patrick's Day parade and this kind of thing. But they're also very different as well. You know, you mentioned places like Camden and Cricklewood in London. Yeah. How would you uh, describe the Irish community in Leeds or in Yorkshire in general? Yeah, well, well, I came up to, I came up to Leeds when I was 18, because I came up to, to go to university. So my, um, my, I, I lived in and around Lincolnshire for, for a long time. And of course, big Irish communities in, in Lincolnshire, a lot of, uh, certainly there was a lot of Mayo people that, uh, were over at that time, um, involved in, in the steelworks in Scunthorpe, involved in a lot of the farming, uh, works. And um, so, you know, it was very tied into the Catholic uh, lifestyle. So, you know, people would be at church and then they'd socialise at, you know, church socials and things like that, Philip. So um, for me, growing up, you know, within a, an Irish community, it was very Catholic as well. It was, a, mm. you know, the two were ran side by side, really. So, you know, lots of... Um, uh, Lots of whether whether it was um, uh, Irish dancing or uh, you know uh, kind of music sessions, whatever was going on, you'd be immersed in it. But um, you know, we were also aware because it was when was I? You know, I was born in sixty three, so mm-hmm. I, you know it'd be ten or eleven when uh, the bombs went off, and. Um, you know, my brother was at, at uh, went up to his secondary school uh, and was ostracised because we didn't go. We went to the local uh, primary and um, secondary schools. We didn't go to Catholic schools. Mm. So uh, my brother sort of was called IRA and you know all, all of those things. He was he was ostracised by his classmates and and um, uh, uh, which was you know that was a an awful thing to experience. Um, when I came to Leeds, um, that would have been 1981, um, and um, you know, I, as part of my, um, as part of my induction into into Leeds, there were things. There were lots of Irish pubs that were around. There was the Leeds Irish Centre, obviously, but it was a. I suppose it was quite a good time in some respects to be Irish because you had. You have people like the Pogues coming through. Mm-hmm. The, there was the, you know, the football team. There was uh, things were going well. There was mm-hmm. there was still the, the, still the background of the troubles, but there was a sense of burgeoning sort of pride in being Irish and, and it being quite cool uh, in some respects. And so I think that that was uh, very much a part of my uh, growing up. And and then when I got the when I got the job. Uh, to start Leeds Irish Health and Homes because I've worked here since its inception. I was uh, the the uh, the steering group that became the the trustees of Leeds Irish Health and Homes 
were given some money and I was I was able to get some the job as the development manager for for the organization um and um and so you know it, it's been a kind of a learning process for me in terms of you know what the Irish have has contributed to the to the country uh what they've contributed to Leeds um you know a sense of pride in, in who we who we are and what we've been able to do in Leeds but also a recognition of where some of those gaps where people have fallen through the gaps and um you know I I always pinch myself here 27 years later in, in thinking that I've been able to work with my community to to try and improve you know housing health social conditions for some of the most vulnerable uh, in the community and uh, you know that's a real privilege to 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 think well I've been able to do that in in my working role so how do you find the local council? How do you find local government and national government there at the moment? Because as we know, there's been a lot of austerity over the last 10 or 15 years in many places in Europe. We've seen cutbacks. And one of the first places that they tend to, to start are in these sort of, you know, culturally sensitive areas where, okay, if it's for, you know, the Windrush children or if it's for people from Jamaica or if it's for people from India or the subcontinent, they sometimes are the things to go first. Have you struggled to maintain the level of services that you want to provide to the Irish community in Leeds? Well, I, I suppose I can give you a couple of examples there, Philippine. That um, uh, so, the, the board at Leeds Irish Health and Homes, when they when they first started, there were some very very astute people on it, and one of the one of the um, uh, one of the directives that I was given was to get in and and you know develop in inroads into. Uh, meeting people who were strategically connected um and and sometimes those were irish people themselves who were able to um advocate on our behalf and say to the councils or the health boards or or whatever look you know this group needs some help it needs some financial support to be able to set up services so we've linked irish health at homes has has developed a, a very good reputation in Leeds. we've also achieved some um and then the 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 behind me I've, I've unfortunately i've blurred my screen so i would have been able to show you but we we've been an award-winning organization we've been uh, you know investors in people gold organization so we've we've been able to have a very good we can display a very good um track record of how we spend money how we provide services to the community, the quality of the support that people are given, uh, you know, the the feedback from the people who use our services can show and demonstrate to the the people that fund us that um, you know we're really good value for money. So we've been able to throughout the the period of austerity, we've been able to maintain very good relationships with Leeds City Council, and you know, I I, I think Leeds City Council are probably one of the most forward-looking uh, councils and, and you know, do have a very good track record of supporting community groups. That's not to say things haven't been tight and things are probably going to get tighter. Um, and we're all preparing for conversations that we're going to have where people will be saying, look, you know, you have to give us more uh, for less money, so we, mm. we're kind of preparing ourselves for that. For it, 
it's something that we've been we've been cognizant of and you know doing in many respects since two thousand since the two thousand eight crash. Um, the other example that I'll, I will give you is in twenty seventeen. Um, uh, uh, I was my services were loaned out to uh, the Irish Community Care in Manchester because they were they were having a difficult time. So I worked two days a week for uh, over in Manchester as well as doing the the uh, my job here in Leeds. And Manchester had uh, had been very difficult uh, in or experienced difficulty in having that strategic link up. And um, uh, what we, what we were able to what, what I was able to do as well as sort of um, being able to get them some more funding company was to develop some positive relationships with Manchester City Council and some of the some of the. Uh, local area councils that that uh, run in and around the the Manchester metropolitan district and and I think uh you know I I I sort of stood down from my work in Manchester in uh, December 22 and a new CEO took over but that's borne fruit because they've been able to get some uh get some good relationships with the local council and you know because it is key for quite often Irish organisations. We're small. We we do an awful lot with the money that we we get. Um, but we naturally, as the as the community have have become smaller, we become a less. We can be less figuratively speaking in the in the minds of uh, some of the um, uh, some of the councils or or health bodies. Yeah. And so for us, it's just making making noise, whether that be. Making sure that we have the the local mayors come to our events, whether we, you know, we're taking part in in the, in the local St Patrick's Day celebrations, where you know we we all used to send a shamrock out to all the councillors in Leeds uh, at St Patrick's Day just to prick their consciences and and say, look, we're here as a community. So things like that, I think it's really important to maintain relationships, just as we do with uh, the Irish government. I mean, we are. We're incredibly lucky that, um, and, and generally because of the amount of remittances that people are sent home, you know, in the in the thirties, forties, upwards, uh, you know, to the to the mid two thousands, they worked out that I think it was by two thousand and five, the amount sent home in remittances was equal to about three point two billion uh, pounds, and so so. The Irish government, since the since the mid eighties, have um, developed. It used to be called the Dion Program. It's now called the Immigrant Support Program, mm. and uh, where they fund, they give funding to Irish groups working in in and around a lot in and around welfare, but some uh, culture, some business networks, things like that. Uh, throughout the world, it used to be mainly uh, focused around Britain, America, and Australia, but as you would know, probably Philip, you know that has that has developed. Um, but you know we are incredibly lucky to get some funding from the Irish government, um, and and that allows us to reach out even further. Um, uh, I, I uh, we work very closely with the Jamaican Society in Leeds, and they were they had a celebration a couple of years ago, and I met the the uh, Jamaican High Commissioner. Uh, and I was just telling him about what happens with uh, with the Irish government, and asked him whether 
the Jamaican uh, government had any any plans to do the same thing for the um, with the Jamaican society in in England, and uh, he was like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know whether we'll go there." So you know, we we have to be very thankful of what of what the Irish government do for um, you know welfare, uh, especially for us uh, abroad, but also the you know the the amount that they do invest invest in the Irish community abroad. I mean. Th- you're obviously sort of, you know, dependent in some ways on Irish government money and on British government money. Do you have to raise funds outside of that as well to keep going? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, my my job as chief exec is is obviously to um, to make sure that we've got enough money coming in to be able to provide the the services that we need, but also maybe develop things that where you know um, it's something we'd like to do, but we don't have that. We don't have that that means yet. And so, um, come thirty first of March uh, every year, you think, well, you know, we've managed to get through, we've managed to scrape through. First of April, it's let's let's go again. You know, it's it's just a constant uh, um, sort of round of trying to raise enough money to to keep going. Um, that's that's one of the the disadvantages of of being a charitable organisation. Uh, I mean, one one of the things that we've got at the moment, Philip, is um, as I was saying about the community getting older, is we know, especially people with dementia, but you know, people who are very frail. What we love is to be able to get some kind of nursing home facility where Irish people could be together. Um, but you know, that takes it takes a lot of money. What well, I think if we could raise the capital. We could we could certainly get the revenue to to run a facility like that, and we know we know from uh, other communities the Jewish community is very very good at, at, at this, but also the South Asian community in uh, in England, uh, you know, have have uh, facilities for their communities where people stay together and and you know work really well, and that's that's something in our in our future plans, you know, if we can, if we could do that, but that would be a big, a big fundraiser for us. Is, is it very stressful, Ant? Because it, you know you're talking about some of the absolutely fundamental things that people need, being their health and a roof over their head. You know, yeah. As as being the person in Leeds who has responsibility more or less for that in in our community, is that is it difficult to sleep at night at times? It, it just it just keep you awake. Yes, yeah. there are you know there are there are things that you know you're you're responsible for people and so um you know that's never it's never uh, something that you take lightly so you know but i i i think like um last week at the at the tea dance that we had uh and this lady approached approached myself and one of my managers and she just said can i can i just tell you that uh, you've you've rescued me uh and she said you know before before I encountered Leeds Irish Health and Home, she said, I just used to sit at home every day. And she said, I didn't have anything. I had no purpose. And so, you know, hearing that, just that gives you every reason to, to you know, do the job that you do. Um, would there be something for Irish people in Leeds to do every day there, Aunt, or is it just, you know, a couple of days a week that you're open there? Or how do you... Yeah, no, we yeah we Monday to Friday generally, but we also we have uh, volunteers that that um, you know work with us that provide support to people or you know run groups on a weekend. We've also got there's an enormous 
uh, array of Irish groups in, in Leeds that do wonderful work, you know, primarily the Leeds Irish Centre itself, which is open seven days a week and has music on it. It offers facilities for, for local groups. So, you know, you've got Celtic Kiltoriaren who do the the um, the music and the cultural aspect. You've got the local GAA clubs who who put on. Uh, we have the Irish Arts Foundation who put on cultural events and things like that. So there's there seems to be something um, uh, you know something going on all the time uh, for the Irish community. But we're also mindful that you know a lot of the a lot of the, the like the Irish pubs and clubs that they used to be have have gone as people either haven't had the money to keep them going, as the Irish community has has integrated more. You know, I suppose that's one of the things when I think of my own children. My own children when I was growing up, I was Irish, you know, and that was it. It, it was there was no question about it. Um, you know, my children have uh, find comfort in both being identified as English but also as Irish. You know, they can pick and choose. And that's that's a wonderful thing sort of uh, um, for their sense. Obviously, I'd like them to be to feel fully Irish, but that's their that's their choice. Um but um you know that's that's a that's a great thing. That wasn't an option for us, which I think I was talking to a young a young person the other day, you know, identity is a really key thing in people's mm. mental health and, and you know, feelings of who you are. You know, we were talking a bit earlier about, you know, being an Irish person abroad and, and what that means. And, you know, not everybody who's Irish wants to connect to other Irish people, but feeling a pride in who you are and feeling strong in who you are, whether that's you as a person you know, whether that's your ethnic identity, your sexual orientation, your race, whatever, you know, it, that that gives you inner strength and then helps that's your that's your platform to to launch onto, you know, making successes in, in life. Um if those are vulnerable at all or if you if society the pressure of society feels too much in, in that respect, that can make you very vulnerable and that's what we see all the time and I, I think for me um you know my Irish identity has always been very strong it's always provided a very strong foundation for me for for other people it less so um uh you know and it depends on your life circumstances but I I think that um you know for the Irish community in Leeds we've we We've now, we have to recognise and we have to do something about people who feel that they can dip in and out of their Irishness, and that doesn't mean that you know they're any less Irish. Um, you see that on St Patrick's Day, people coming together. They might not, they might not do anything, you know, anything Irish throughout the rest of the year, but come St Patrick's Day, they're yeah. there, they're waving the trickler, they're 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 engaging, and they love it. You know, we we. We have to reach out more, and I think that's something, you know, Leeds Irish Health and Homes is is looking to um, sort of investigate possibilities of what we can do there, Philip. So, 
Do you see many younger Irish people uh, come? And the reason I'm asking is because it was in London recently, and it seemed that there was just young Irish people everywhere. But yeah. you mentioned there that your sort of population lead seems to be it's leaning towards the older, that people are sort of yeah. aging out a little bit more. Do yeah. you see young Irish people coming over there, or are they in a minority? <laughs> yeah, and and um, I I think we so we are, we're part of a um, a three city partnership. So uh, ourselves, Irish Community Care in Manchester and Irish Community Care in Liverpool mm. have created a partnership called the Freya Partnership, which is just a, a, a way of us trying to work together more effectively. We're, we're currently doing some, we're doing a program, a uh, project around um, supporting women and children, families who've been through the mother and baby and county homes uh, systems in, in Ireland. But as part of our our work, we set up a, a, a Women of Irish Heritage Network, which is bringing together women across the region to, you know, they network, they fundraise, they uh, share skills, opportunities. And we've noticed lots and lots of younger Irish women uh, as that. And, and of course, they, you know, get introduced to partners and things like that. And, what we what we've noticed here in Leeds is a lot of younger Irish people come over and their their community touch points aren't where they used to be. So people aren't going to church, people don't rock up at the, the local Irish centre to see whoever, because it's a different generation, you know, people that connected uh certainly through the internet and and social media. So they maybe don't have a need to, to contact and maintain contact with other Irish people. What we do find is when we do come, come into contact with them, that cultural connection is really important to people. So mm. we're able to engage people in doing voluntary work for us or, or project. We've got a young man who's just doing some uh, photography for us. Uh, he's a third year student at Leeds University, and he 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 noticed us on on uh, social media, and it made him think about you know how could I get in contact with this with this organisation. So you you we have to be creative in the way we reach out to to uh, younger Irish people and and younger Irish families that are coming over because they're made. They're made up of different stuff. Mm. Um, you know, we, we've got a... I was at an event in London, um, again, was it two weeks ago? Um, and it was uh, celebrating Black History Month but in, in the Irish Embassy. And it was really lovely to see black people who were, who were either born in Ireland or their heritage was where parents had met in Ireland or in Britain. And were you know one was from Nigeria, say, and the other was from Ireland, and just how they celebrated and and saw their cultural heritage and the dual heritage, you know, it was re really interesting. You know, again, one of our things is how we how we kind of reach out to that community and make sure they know an organisation like this is available to them. Are you very positive about the future of the organisation, Ant? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've I, I 
when I think back to when I started, if somebody said you'll still be here 27 years later and there's still a need for the for the organization uh you know I, i'd have i'd have probably said what what you know what you're talking about but you know i can see I, because of the impact that our services make on people i can see why uh, the service would would be needed you know to mm-hmm. to carry people through that period but I, I I also know from the work that we're doing with younger people and um like I said, you know people in their twenties to thirties and you know, offering different kinds of support, benefits, advice and things like that. You know, the reason that people come to us is because they trust it, you know, in what we do. And we've got our our staff team are incredibly um devoted to what they do most are from an Irish background and, and you know, that buys such loyalty and such tying to the community because they're so passionate about what they do. The the majority of our we've just taken on two new board members as as um to the organization, both who are uh newer Irish people who are who have arrived in the last five years to to lead and want to get involved in something that uh, you know, represents them culturally. It's brilliant to see, and it's brilliant work that you're doing up there. And hopefully, at some point, I'll have a drop, uh, a chance to drop into you. But for now, Aunt Hanlon, thanks so much for talking to me. Ah, uh, no problem, Philip. Thank you, thank you so much for having us. There you go, the legendary Aunt Hanlon. There, what a wonderful chat that was with Aunt about the work that he does there in Leeds with Leeds Irish Health and Homes. Uh, you will find them online lihh.org, lihh.org, or you can just Google Leeds Irish Health and Homes and you will get to their website and you can find out all about what they do and you can donate. And if you're in the local area, you can volunteer and jays, you can have the crack with the boys and girls there alongside Aunt. And I'm sure. If you want to get in touch with Ant, uh, if you have a similar sort of an organisation or if you're thinking of starting something similar, you know, whether it be in Bogota in Colombia or Melbourne or Stockholm or Copenhagen or wherever you happen to find yourself living your life there, then I'm sure Ant will be able to, to help you out there and give you a few hints and tips and that. And if not, sure, just reach out to them on social media or send them a little message there uh, on social media or, or via their website just to tell them uh, you appreciate the great work they're doing because I know I do. Right, listen, that is almost it for this week on the Global Gale podcast. Still got two things to tell you about. One is if you have any stories of Irish people abroad, if you have a story yourself, if you have a book coming out or an album or a play or anything whatsoever, if you have a business doing stuff for Christmas, get in touch and we'll give you a shout out. But uh, I'm kind of not dependent because there's always stories that you'll find. You just have to open Facebook or LinkedIn and you'll find Irish people doing absolutely amazing things. And there's a lot of great stories coming up uh, in the near future before Christmas. But I'm always on the lookout for more. So do get in touch and don't ever think that you know oh no sure poor little bit. no no get into let me be the judge of that let me decide who we're going to put in front of the listeners of the global gale and also uh, the Irish and Sweden podcast I have uh, has had loads of women on it lately which is brilliant because often you know it can become a sausage fest very very quickly because those lads are more than happy to talk about what we're doing and women often less so but it's been brilliant on there lately it's been a load of female guests one after the other so I would say the same to the global Irish community get involved there uh, tell us your stories tell us the things that you're interested in and we shall put them out there as well and last but not least if you can please support the podcast patreon.com forward slash man in Stockholm the ultimate goal 
goal for me is I would love to be able to devote all my time to making these podcasts for Irish communities abroad, both the one that I live in here in Sweden, but also the global Irish community. And if at all possible, if there's enough interest out there for me to do this for other parts of the community, I would be more than happy to do so. Or to do niche podcasts around sport or around art or around whatever, you know. But in order to do that, I need your support. So patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. Throw in a five or a month there. Tell your friends to do it. And most of all, share the podcast, right? Other people do come to you. Oh, would you leave a good review? Would you leave a five-star review? I don't know if any of that makes a huge amount of difference to me. But what I know makes a huge amount of difference to what I do is every time you share a podcast and you say, oh, look, I was listening to this fella who's been living in Stockholm for years talking disinterested person. This might be something for you. That, you know, if you share that three or four times, you might get one of those people who listen every week. And then maybe they might be able to contribute on Patreon because I'd love to keep all the podcasts free forever. And I fully intend to do so. But in order to do that, those of us who can afford to do so must be prepared to throw in a few, Bob. Anyway, that is enough for me for this week. Uh, on this same podcast feed, you will find Arrowman in Stockholm, you'll find Irish in Sweden, and you'll find Premier Swedes. And there'll be more of all those podcasts come, be coming uh, between now and the year end. And I'm not that precious either, lads. I mean, there's other great podcasts out there. If you haven't heard the Free State podcast with Joe Broly and Dion Fanning, I suggest you do. Uh, Joe is, I think Joe does about 90% of the talking there. But himself and Dion make a great duo. And they're talking about everything from sport to the situation in the, in the Middle East. Uh, the Second Captains lads are always out there. My friends from the Severe MMA podcast. The What's the Story podcast, another favourite of mine. With Danny and Mero there from, uh, from Ballybrack. So there's loads of great podcasts out there. Some of which you should be contributing financially to. Some of which are completely free. And there you go. You can hear this emails trotting in there. So I better get back and do a little bit of work. I shall talk to you very soon. Until then, my friends, look after yourselves and look after one another. Good luck. Mm-hmm.